You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King with an occasional focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, um, uh, theoretically, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes, again, theoretically. We also discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod, and follow us on every other level of social media at tower junkies pod and if you'd like to support what we do here you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer where at one dollar per month you get exclusive b-roll episodes two dollars per month you get those b-roll episodes plus tv reviews and at five dollars you get all of that plus movie commentary tracks and at ten dollars a month you get all of that plus early access to podcast episodes and previously unreleased content again that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and uh, yeah, so I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and with me today, as usual, drinking a Diet Mountain Dew, is Tiny. Hello. Hi, Tiny. How's it going? It's going good, buddy. Good. We just recorded our apt pupil review late, and we <laughs> are recording our Lisey story installment late. Yeah. <laughs> um, so apologies to all who have been waiting for us to re- re- release this. Uh, we talked about this in the in in the app people review, but I want to touch on it here. Um, we have been podcasting for eight years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's exciting. It's awesome. Um, man. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Feels really good. Given, nice. I mean, it's sort of a d- ongoing joke in the podcasting mm-hmm. community that there are way more podcasts that have started and failed <laughs> right. than have gone on for eight years. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> we and we started and failed and just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I meant. Right, right. There's so many podcasts out there that have five episodes or one right. episode and they're done. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a tough game being at the the uh, the top of the, the food chain here in the podcast. We're, we're not. <laughs> real. What's the weather like down <laughs> right, there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, joining us on this eight-year journey. Um, <laughs> how much longer do you think we're going to be doing this, Tiny? 80 years. 80 years. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. That could be... Could be... We could... We'd have to work out some logistics, but yeah. Well, Tower Junkies, <sighs> I mean, I, I think Tower Junkies might have an end date because... Stephen King is going to die someday. Right. Hate to say it, mm-hmm. but it's going to happen. And I think eventually in... 20 years or something right. we'll run out of content and there could be a good stopping point for you know you know that is something that is something because we do have a master list yeah but i will say tiny mm-hmm. that when it, if the time ever comes where stephen king does pass um <laughs> <laughs> we would still have any any and all adaptations that would come up post us covering everything else mm-hmm. also we got, we would just transition into a Joe Hill podcast. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then, uh, when, when the well dries from that, 
Uh, we'll do Owen King, like his two books or whatever. <laughs> Tabitha King. Right. Uh, we'll check in with <laughs> Stephen King's daughter, who I did think doesn't write. Um, we'll like see what she's up to. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So then, we've 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 got some time. We're, start we're in on Dean Koontz. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's funny. So KingCast did the thing that I wanted to do as an April Fool's joke. Um, And granted, I mean, I'm not saying that they ripped it off or anything. It's like it's a pretty obvious kind of thing. But I since we started uh, Tower Junkies, I've wanted to do an April Fool's Day episode where we just we we review a book of Dean Koontz, never call attention just for that one day. Just say like, oh, we're the. We're the, I think, uh, we're like the, the odd fellows or whatever, like the, right. Whatever. Um, and just completely did that. King cast did that. Uh, Oh, did that? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's fine. Um, and it's, it's a delight. It's, it's good. Well, but, we tried that. We bought a Dean Coots book, remember? We did. And I returned it to Audible. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was called. I don't I, remember either. I could not get into it. I never started it. Cause oh, I was really? just like, I, I mean, nothing against Dean Coons. I was yeah. just like, eh, I'm, I'm just, you know. I, this is it's it would been it would have been too much work for something that would have been at best annoying to our listeners, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, but you had the idea first. I I did. Um, <laughs> I also had this. I also had this idea for this for this uh, story about these kids in this small town that defeat a defeat a demonic clown and then come back uh. Um, several decades later, twenty-seven years later, and and have to do it again. Oh, um, yeah. Gotcha. I'm, I'm still working on that one. <laughs> um, I don't know what to call it though. <laughs> yeah. But back to the original point, I think. Yes. I mean, I see obsessive viewer going on. I, there's no end date for that one. Yes. Yeah. Ad infinitum. We could, uh, you know, be. We could get sent to the same nursing home and oh yeah i thought i could i can wheel down the hall to your to your unit and we can hook up some microphones and... that would be awesome yeah that would actually be very nice um i f- i don't know why but for some reason all i thought i thought you were gonna say prison <laughs> um, oh my god we'll go to the same prison <laughs> no. um or okay. or or we could do that podcast forever because it could be like a uh, San Junipero situation where we oh, upload, yes. upload our consciousness to the internet and we live on forever on the internet and we could do our podcast forever. Oh my God. This could be something for... We could the... call it San Junipero. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, June, San Junipodcastero. Yeah. Um, check out Anthology. Um, San so... Pastacaro. Yes. Nice. Uh... I, I like that better than what I just stuttered out. <laughs> Pod Junipero. Um, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough. Okay. Um, that might be what my Patreon uh, sci-fi podcast will be. <laughs> Pod Junipero. Pod Junipero. I don't know. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, though. And thank you for listening to this nonsense. Yeah. Um, and thank you for supporting us for eight years, if you guys have. I wonder if anyone has listened from day one. Man. Um, I don't know. Because even the person who helped us start the podcast has, has ghosted us. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm super excited to eventually start um, another four or five podcasts with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's eight years. Oh, God damn. That's almost a decade. It's um, crazy to think about. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's over 500 episodes. It is. Oh, yeah. So you have done basically an episode a week. Yeah. I mean- Actually, more. Well, I because eight eight times fifty two, um, is four hundred and sixteen. 
Four hundred. That's sure. Yeah. So you've got over five hundred. So you've done more than one episode a week for yeah. eight years, theoretically. That is true. If you work out the average. In that that over five hundred episodes, uh, number that I mentioned in the apt people episode, um, that does not include any of the Patreon stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> which we have like over a hundred and almost a hundred and forty Patreon B roll episodes, and then we have I think twelve or thirteen commentary tracks. Um, wow. and then like three or four unreleased, um, stuff on there. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh, and then TV reviews. I think I'm up to like 10. Damn. Um, yeah. So. Cray balls. Yeah, it is. It is uh crazy. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah. So thank you guys so much for supporting us and everything and, uh, look forward to our podcast about, uh, I don't know. Um, gardening, gardening. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, anyway. So today on the podcast, we are going to be continuing our series on Lisey's Story, the Apple TV Plus adaptation. Uh, today in particular, we're going to be reviewing episodes three and four of Lisey's Story, titled Under the Yum Yum Tree and Jim Dandy, uh, which uh, premiered on Apple TV Plus on June 11th and June 18th, respectively. Um, but before that, Mr. Tiny, mm -hmm. we have some news and check-ins to get to. Okay. Um, uh, I have one piece of news. Are you ready to hear this news, Tiny? Lay it on me, bro. Do you know about this? Okay. You always do this. Do you know about this? I, I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> do you know about this segment on the podcast that we both host <laughs> where we talk about Stephen King news? It's the best. <laughs> um, and it's only... Only 90% of the time it's way out of date. Um, <laughs> so, um... I'm really excited because I'm very curious if you've heard this news. Okay. Um, Sony Pictures and Blumhouse are... Okay. Okay. This is from Deadline. All right. I'm going to read the quote from their first paragraph. And I just had to cringe a little bit because of the pun. But um, Sony Pictures and Blumhouse are revving back up Christine, <laughs> a new version of the Stephen King novel that Brian Fuller is writing... And we'll direct for for Blumhouse. Huh. Um, Brian Fuller, of course, was a guest on the massively more popular than ours, um, <laughs> Kingcast podcast. Yeah, I like that episode. Me too. And he talked about it as this uh, this queer identity story, right? Um, and man, oh, the idea of him adapting Christine. Yeah. Oh, like, how do you feel about this news? I mean, it's exciting. I like all those words together, mm -hmm. but I love that book and I really love John Carpenter's movie. So mm -hmm. I feel like it's done already, but I, I mean, I, I'm obviously going to watch it and I will probably be excited for it, but it's already been done and it's already good. And it doesn't like it needed to be readapted and the, oh, mo it, the, the, movie, the movie, it needed yeah. to be readapted. And, uh, you know, there's some other stuff of his that could do with the, readaptation but mm. i don't know the movie and the book are just both so good already as they are so i i agree with the premise of that okay um, i agree that it is like the book is phenomenal the movie john carpenter i love john carpenter it is his his adaptation is is one of the top tier adaptations yeah. of stephen king yeah but and I've heard I've seen that argument before like oh why do they got to remake everything or why why yeah. like there's no need for this just his read of Christine and the passion that he had for it and, and the completely unique perspective that he has for Christine, I would say not only, not only, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not only, um, 
not only justifies not only justifies the idea of him um adapting it but i would argue makes it like necessary like it, it needs to be adapted this way mm-hmm. um because i think that that will create a very unique um a unique perspective and a unique read and a unique adaptation that's not going to be just a shot for shot thing with the yeah w- only difference is sci- uh, uh, cgi um effects right um and i'm i'm super excited because if he does you know go all in on that kind of um that queer queer identity read of it i'm just really looking forward to how respectful and and how understanding and and how um uh how uh, smart all of the internet is going to be about it <laughs> right fucking idiots. good i can't even <laughs> i can't even imagine how bad it's going to be yeah um, and it's so did yeah. he sorry did he um so he talked about his interpretation of the book on the king cast episode yeah on one of, he's he's been on king cast twice he, the one oh. was for uh, one was for, wow. What was it for? I can't even remember because I've I, I haven't listened to both of them. I, th- I didn't know there was a second one. So. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. he talk, he talks about how I think he di- he's on there for Christine. Um, oh okay. Yeah, I and he talks okay. about how I mean it, it is incredible. Like it it lines up perfectly. He's really brilliant. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and he like one of the things that he talks about is how um how it is like he. It, it is this um, queer identity read of it that he has, but he, he talks about how it is a very, how the relationship between Arnie and Christine is a sexual relationship. Yeah. It is this sexual kind of energy. Cause like, even to the point, the example that he gives is that, I mean, he's, he stands in front of the car <laughs> with this giant V at the, st- at the, at the front of it <laughs> symbol on it. And he just says, show me <laughs> like sh- he's telling it to yeah. show him, show him, the vagina right. of the car. Right. Um, it's in, I, I like, yeah, I, I can't wait. I really hope that this actually goes and, and is made. Wow. Um, cause yeah. I, I think he'll, he'll have a lot of interesting stuff to say with this movie. Well, I need to listen to that episode then, and I'm mm-hmm. sure I'll be a lot more excited about it. Yeah. But yeah. listen to Tower Junkies first. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I listened to Tower Junkies today. Oh, did you? What episode? I listened to your book review of Lisa's Story. Oh, your nice. Your solo, solo review. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that in check-in. Do you want to go into check-ins? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about Lisa's Story and, and how you felt about my review of Lisa's Story? <laughs> sure. Well, quick check-in that's yes. Stephen King adjacent. Okay. I listened to... I finished today... Uh, Paul Tremblay's A Head Full of Ghosts. Oh, nice. Which that book kind of blew up because Stephen King recommended it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, a la our conversation in last episode with Mike mm-hmm. White, he sort of introduced Paul Tremblay to me. I never heard of right. him. Which, by um, the way, Mike's Kickstarter is fully funded. Yep. Um, congratulations to, to Mike and Dustin and uh, you're welcome for the Tower Junkies bump. <laughs> <laughs> if any of you actually pledged uh, on his Kickstarter because you listened to this episode. Let me know because that is fucking awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, I, I so yeah, I finished that book today. Um, it was really really good. It's a um nice. a fun fresh take on at the exorcism dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, really really cool story. I highly recommend it. Um, really good book. So, um, that's kind of Stephen King adjacent check in. Nice. Um, and then I finished Lisey's story. Before I went on vacation, it's been almost a mm-hmm. month. Um, it just wasn't quite in time for our 
the to record about it on right. here. Um, so I, I did. I think it's a good book, and I, th- mm-hmm. I especially think it's a really good story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's highly inventive. I think it's pretty. I think the the structure of it is something that King doesn't do that often, or he he does use kind of like the flashback thing from time to time, and he's mm-hmm. he's been good at it in the past. But I just feel like that mixed with the kind of cerebral other dimension aspect of the book just really made it almost inaccessible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if maybe I gave it another shot or if I had tried to actually read it physically, if it would have, mm-hmm. you know, translated better. I, I really don't know, but I never got into the book and from the, from the beginning and, and I never found a way in throughout the rest of the book. Um, and so it was just a very um, disjointed read for me. Okay. In your review, you use the word fractured. And that was that's the perfect word for it. It's a oh, very nice. very fractured. As soon as I heard that, I was like, "Yes, that's the word I've been looking for," in trying to describe how I experienced this book—a very mm-hmm. fractured experience. Because um, just I, I feel I feel like the different timelines, while they're obviously they obviously influence one another and they're highly important. It's it was hard to tell where and when you were with the characters, yeah. and that just threw me off the entire time. Um, and, and, and there was just so much surrealness and it was like, what's, what's real, what's not, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it really just threw me off and I, I could mm-hmm. never really get into the book, but I do think it was a bit of a shortcoming for me as the reader, as opposed to the book. Okay. Um, I, I do think, I do think the story and the structure are better suited to a visual medium. Yeah, because I am much more into the show than I ever was for the book, yeah. um, and I think the show is going a lot better. I'll put it that way. Okay, um, we're we're halfway through the show now at this point, and I'm curious. Do you think? And, and this is purely hypothetical and everything, so I don't know how you can really gauge this. But do you think that if you hadn't read the book, would you have experienced the story in the show? Would would it would you still be still be as receptive to the show as you are having read the book and watching the show? I don't think so, oh, and, and that's an interesting point because I I think the I don't know what it is. I think the story is so. Uh, we were just talking off mic, and I said the show mm-hmm. is very slowly paced. Yeah, and there, there's not a lot of action. It's a lot of the character recollecting. Mm-hmm. It's almost like she's recollecting her development as right. a character. It's it's pretty it's pretty interesting, but um, I I think as I'm watching the show, I'm looking for things in the book that I was confused by that are being clarified in the show. Yeah, and so I think that's why I'm attaching to it a little more than maybe a non fan would or a person who never read the book mm-hmm. would. Um, I I'm very curious to see the reception uh, on the internet and both critically and fan wise right to this show because i i feel like it's not going to find an audience unfortunately yeah um, i, I it, haven't heard any quote-unquote chatter about it right. or anything but i'm curious how it's how it's playing to right how it's playing to the non-constant readers i'm yeah i'm curious myself uh, yeah so yeah the the <laughs> book i i hate to say it, but i don't think it was for me and and sure i do think it's a really you know the inspiration for it was really interesting. Stephen King mm-hmm. had a surgery, I think, and then he came home and his he was, his office had been painted, and so all his stuff was like boxed up. And yeah, he was in the hospital for pneumonia. I think. Pneumonia. There it is. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Um, 
it's, that's an interesting inspiration, and and mm-hmm. I I love the idea that he explored that concept mm-hmm. about how his wife would have to deal with that. Yeah, and I think that's I think it's a really cool homage to his wife and a yeah. um, tribute to his wife. Um, and and I respect the hell out of that. That's a very right. very organic way to come to a an idea for a book. Mm-hmm. Um, did the did the kind of did the relationship stuff um in in that idea of like the kind of paying homage to his wife and and having it be a story about his wife did that resonate with you as as a married man um to an extent but but i think and i don't know if i if this was intentional in the book and i was supposed to interpret things this way but i feel like there was so much so much of their relationship was rocky and mm-hmm. and i feel like especially in the first half of the book, she is so, she's almost like mad at Scott Mm -hmm. and, and she resents a lot of his quirks and eccentricities and, and strange things that she put him, that he put her through throughout their marriage that she's kind of, uh, she's upset and she's still kind of, she's holding a grudge against him and she's not, she sort of presents their marriage or remembers their marriage as not all that happy. Okay. But then I think as the book goes on, she starts to remember how much she loved him and how mm-hmm. he actually treated her well. And he was just such a psychologically damaged person that it's amazing. He was as stable as he was and, right. and was as normal as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that was more clarified in the second half and it was a much more, accessible relationship in the second half. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I just, I never got into it in the first half. And because of that, it was hard for me to latch on to any positivity gotcha. in the second half. Um, that makes sense. But I did, especially the last, like the denouement is so long mm-hmm. after the, you know, the, the conclusion of the action, if you will. Yeah. Um, the denouement, I was actually very into where she's, uh, same here. That was really, um, fascinating. And, mm-hmm. uh, heartbreaking and touching at the same time so yeah um but yeah it's it's, it's definitely I, I i really i'm curious how how other people feel about this book because i think there's a lot of people like me mm-hmm. who just couldn't get into it because of the structure and all that stuff yeah. um but i'm sure there's some people out there who this is their favorite stephen king book i'd and be I, very curious and i yeah. bet their reasons for that are really good reasons and i, right. I would i would love to hear someone dissect this book who loves it like like kim right. c from uh the year of underrated Stephen yeah. King podcast it'd be interesting to see how because she loves this book right she, she it's she, interesting because i i listened to her episode about it and okay she has she even has like kind of a i don't want to say contentious relationship with the book okay but like this is a book that she read and and didn't quite grasp onto <laughs> like she okay. had like a similar experience that we did okay but she found herself thinking more and more about it, and mm. it kind of kept coming back up and everything. Um, I highly recommend her podcast and her her uh, yeah. um, episode about Lisey's story. Um, I just saw some of her tweets where she was yeah. talking about how much she liked the book, and I was like, oh, she must be one of the people who really loved it. So yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see that. Yeah, and and, and I I think there's totally a great argument for why this is a great book. Oh yeah, it's just I I haven't I can't articulate right. it or it wasn't for me or something like that. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Yeah. And what did you think of my episode? <laughs> it, again, really good. I like oh, the, like, it was well said. I um, was fishing for that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Again, I just, as soon as you said the word fractured, I was like, mm-hmm. I like snapped my fingers. Nice. I was listening in the car and I was like, yes, that is the perfect nice. word. Um, but yeah, you did a good job, of course. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I think that the best part of it was when I said, hello and welcome to Tower Junkies. And then it was all, well, no, wait, that would be the best part would be at the, anyway. Wow. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, check out Anthology where I do that all the time, <laughs> doing solo podcasting. Right. Um, and Patreon maybe. Um, so, uh, okay. Yeah. So check-ins. Did you have any other check-ins? Um, no, no, that's it. Nice. Um, yeah, I haven't started a new Stephen King book in a while. I, I was gonna ask. My Audible's open right now. I don't mm, have anything on because I, I just nice. finished a head full of ghosts today. So, do you? So, do you have anything on the horizon? I have. So, I've had in my Audible just chilling. I have off the top of my head. I know I have Needful Things and mm-hmm. Firestarter just sitting there. Oh, interesting. Purchased and downloaded that I haven't listened to. Um. I don't have a credit. I don't. Ha- I won't have a credit for another couple weeks. Okay. It's like the middle of the month when I get my credit. Mm-hmm. So there is actually for the next two days, um, a very big sale on Audible. Really? Yeah. I don't know what all there is, but you might want to check. Like I know the like. I mean, I I the eye of the dragon or the eyes of the dragon is like eleven bucks. Okay. Um, you can buy just individual yeah. books. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I see. I've never tried to do that because yeah. I always just see like, oh, you can get three credits for $32 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I usually do that too. Um, and, the, but I will see, like, I, if I see a sale like that, um, like I just got Carl Sagan's pale blue dot for like, I think like eight bucks or something. Okay. So the way I work it out in my head is like, okay, if, if the price of the audiobook if it's on sale or what have you. is less than the subscription. Yeah. I then, agree. And see, I would do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like if there were books that were seven, $8, yeah. I would buy those all the time. I just don't really see that available. Yeah. Hmm. I would I would browse for the next couple of days. And okay. See. Do you have to go through the Am- like the Amazon app and then find? I, I don't know. Since you have an iPhone, it yeah, might be different. Okay. But like okay. in the Android app, it's like I just go into the store and just the Audible it, store. Yeah, it's the same way. Like when I use a credit. Um, okay. Yeah. Hmm. It doesn't give you the option, like because almost every time I I go to find a book, it's like use use one credit or buy more credits here that's all it says oh interesting yeah it never says like this cost of this is eight dollars or nine dollars wow. or whatever yeah yeah you might have to use a browser then okay huh okay interesting um anyway so that's our audible cor- corner cool um, yeah and uh uh so i have two check-ins okay and uh it's kind of exciting so first we are first a uh mea culpa in that i'm sorry that we're late with this um I was, uh, I didn't really feel up to recording last week across the board, so we didn't get this out on time. So I apologize. And I tweeted about that. <laughs> it happens. Uh, yeah. And I tweeted about that. I was like, hey, sorry, uh, our, our, um, our, uh, episode reviewing episodes three and four of Lisey's story isn't going to be up until next week. Sorry about that. Um, and I attached a little gif of a dog, um, with the caption, sorry. The dog <laughs> looked very cute yeah. and, and, uh very sad and then like i like i was i was we're a small podcast yeah and i do it for the love of just talking to my friends talking to tiny Mm -hmm. and uh you know making stupid jokes and everything so i will say that our twitter account for tower junkies at tower junkies pod on twitter um did get a bump in in followers when uh i had a twitter interaction with mike flanagan like a couple of years ago when Mm -hmm. dr sleep came out and so uh, we have like we have we have a a surprising amount of followers (laughs) for how small the podcast is and so after i tweeted that i 
uh, I started getting like notifications of like, oh, so-and-so liked your tweet. So-and-so liked your tweet. So-and-so retweeted your tweet, liked a tweet. And I was like, this is getting a lot of traction for a tweet just saying like, oh, hey, uh, we don't, I, we, we're not having an episode this week. <laughs> this very inconsistent podcast is not having an episode this week. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to start, I need to start attaching gifts of dogs to these tweets right, apparently. and everything. It wasn't until like an hour later, as I kept getting these notifications, that I noticed that fucking Stephen Stephen King retweeted the tweets. That's nuts. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I was, I was, I was flattered. Uh, Stephen, mm-hmm. if you're listening, thank you so much. <laughs> um, we love you, and you have an open invitation to be on this podcast. Yes. And also. <laughs> I thought it was funny, like, yes, the one tweet that Stephen King retweets of ours is a tweet telling people that we're not having an episode. <laughs> How we week. failed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, so it's it's just a fun little in-joke we have with Uncle Stevie. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, but it was fun. It was if you, If you are listening to this because of that tweet, thank you. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the show. Yeah. Uh, we did pick up some new followers from it, so that's great. Awesome. Um, but I was just, I was just so tickled by that. I was, right. <laughs> I was like, oh, fucking Stephen King retweeted us and I didn't even know. Like, it didn't yeah. give me a notification or anything. Right. Um, like the Mike Flanagan yeah. thing was awesome because he yeah. was responding to you picking up on an Easter egg. Exactly. In the movie. Like, that was yeah. awesome. That really, it's funny because on one side we got Mike Flanagan just, um, acknowledging my brilliance right and then and then we have stephen king acknowledging my uh shitty time management skills <laughs> uh so yeah so i don't know maybe uh i don't know uh i'm trying to think of something <laughs> like uh i don't know yeah yeah maybe someday you'll write yeah. a review or have an episode release where he gets it finds its way onto his twitter feed and he retweets it yeah Maybe Joe Hill will retweet something about my online dating experiences <laughs> or something. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, <laughs> if you want to leave a review for the podcast, check out uh, iTunes <laughs> um, or Apple Podcasts now, I guess. I don't know. Um, anyway, so <laughs> that is my check-in, the, one of my check-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another check-in. I don't know if you're aware of this, but our our friend and friend of the show and friend of all of our podcasts and everything and Patreon supporter, Matt and Draco. Mm-hmm. Um, he sent me a message in May <laughs> and he said, Hey, um, you're still at this address, right? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yes. Should I be concerned? And he's like, no, I just ordered something. I think you might be into, um, uh, let me know, let me know, or I'll let you know when I get a, uh, a tracking number for it and everything to let you know when it's going to arrive. So a month passes, and then I come home from work yesterday, and I see this box, like the like, on my door, and I'm like, oh, what's this? And so I open it up, and <laughs> it was kind of terrifying, honestly, because it was this tiny. Oh my god! So do you want to do you want to describe it for our listeners, if you can? I think I know what it what function it serves. Okay. Um, it is a a bookend, a bookshelf. Mm. And what are those called? Um, this is interesting because it's it's not necessarily a bookend, but it's like a book middle. Okay, because yeah. both sides are, right. are for the ends. It is a bust of <laughs> uh, 
Jack Nicholson as Jack Jack Torrance. Right. Wow. What's brilliant about it is because it's that middle thing. I fucking love it. Oh yeah, me too. Oh, it's 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 fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, what's brilliant is that it's since it's it's not a bookend because both sides are like right. will have books on either side. Uh-huh. So it's it's him through the door. Um, oh shit. Yeah. That's fucking it's the great. Johnny moment. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. The detail is impressive. Oh my, on it. it is really impressive. That's great. Um, and just imagine how, how, how uh, weird it was for me because I had forgotten about that because it had right. been a month. I'm just yeah. like, I just got a, a head in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So thank you so much, Matt and Draco, for that's awesome. sending that. That's so he's he's a good dude. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I'm excited to put that on my bookshelf. I um, would get that, but my wife would be pissed. I I was kind of I <laughs> I kind of want uh, to get that for you because like as soon as you come down into our basement, you look to the left and that's all my books there. Nice. And so she would be like, I can't stand to look at that fucking thing I remember down there. <laughs> so that's awesome. <laughs> Well, that's when you just put it, like, when, wait for her to go to bed, sneak downstairs, <laughs> take it, and just put it right next to, like, her side of the bed, so that she wakes up and just sees the face. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So and Well yeah, done, Matt Andrico. Yes. Thank you so much, Matt. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And it's, it's kind of creepy, too. It is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's my other check-in, and that's it for news and check-ins, Tiny. Sweet. Yeah, so, like I said, we're gonna be reviewing Under the Yum Yum Tree and Jim Dandy, episodes three and four of Lisey's Story. I'm gonna read the plot summary, um, of the, of the, of the show itself. Um, based on the novel by Stephen King, this terrifying thriller follows widow Lisey Landon as a series of disturbing events revives memories of her marriage to author Scott Landon and the darkness that plagued him. So... Uh, let's get it started. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, episode three, we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler review for both of these episodes. Do we do that? We do that. Yes. We? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to start with episode three under the yum yum tree. Um, non-spoiler first and then spoilers. Um, air date was June 11th on Apple TV plus teleplay by Stephen King and directed by Pablo Lorraine. Cast, of course, Julianne Moore, Joan Allen, Jennifer Jason Lee, Dane DeHaan, Michael Pitt, and Soon Kang. Um, so Tiny, in broad, non-spoiler terms, what did you think of Under the Yum Yum Tree? And how do you feel about the show at this point? I enjoyed this episode a lot. I think um I think it's it's hard it's gonna be hard to dislike any episode because yeah. um what's so great about the show is that uh, I think Julianne Moore and Clive Owen have really good chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Um, they've worked together in the past. They've played yeah. husband and wife before in the past. Yeah. Um, but they just have really good chemistry, and, and I think they can both, both actors can convey so much just in the way they look at each other. Yeah. They're both very physical. The, the way they can emote is is very impressive and, and uh, conveys a lot. And... Um, there's a lot of those moments where specifically where Scott is sharing something from his past yeah, and they will show us a cutaway of that, a reenactment or, you know, a, mm-hmm. a, an enactment of that. 
And that just, that just reminds me of like, what if it was structured like structured like Family, like family Guy? Guy yeah, right? like, <laughs> that's hilarious. This is not, weirder than not a the cutaway, one time, right? <laughs> this is weirder than the one time I um, <laughs> I cut myself to get the bad feelings out of my out of my skin, right? Um, but no, there's With Conway Twitty. <laughs> Stupid. They will show an enactment like uh, in this episode where he flashes back to um, he's telling Lucy about when he had to jump off the barn, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, and and they will cut back to basically showing him telling her that story, and it's like a pause in the story, and she's just reacting to yeah him. And there's so much of that in this show, and it's crazy how visually stimulating that is absolutely and, and just how how satisfying it is to see her reacting and coming to the real coming to realizations about the character of the man that she's loves yeah it's it's really i i'm i'm kind of enthralled by how much i'm enjoying that because it's totally. it's so simple it's a really simple thing and it requires um just really good I mean, it's direction, camera work, really good acting. Just so many things have to come together for something so simple. Yeah. Um, it's it's something so simple, but it's so hard to achieve, I think. Mm-hmm. There's, there's plenty of movies and TV shows where that level of intimacy is lost or it's they just never find it. Right. And, and they've managed to tap into it on this show with, with, with just a few episodes. So. Absolutely. And like the... It's not a delivery system for exposition, or it's at least not solely because of that. And right. it's not presenting, it's not necessarily presenting Scott's backstory as a mystery. It's it's deepening our knowledge of these characters, um, uh, and it's also enriching the bond that right. these two performers are, I mean, obviously they're incredibly talented. And like you said, it is making that focus be not necessarily less about um about the revelations and everything but it is definitely a shared entity of of having this information dump of information about the about his childhood and about these different experiences and everything but it is also uh also encompassing just the emotional uh development of the characters in progress yeah emotional development's a good phrase yeah it's not it like the book it's not really driving the plot that right. well i mean it, it, if it does it, it's inching the plot forward yeah like in, in a microscope way microscopic right. way um but i'm just i'm so fine with it because it's so well done and it's yeah. it's just great character stuff absolutely yeah um and and yeah, uh, non spoiler. Not to say that nothing happens in the, right. in, the, in the episode. I'm not saying that at yeah. all. But it's just so. I, I'm just loving the character work and the chemistry between those two. And, Same here. And the subtlety of it is really good. Absolutely. And Pablo Lorraine, the way that he is capturing this, and the way that the show is filming these intimate scenes and the and these this these scenes of of these characters growing with each other and everything is it is very poetic and beautiful like mm-hmm. there's something I'll talk about when we review Jim Dandy but there's like this this interesting like art house cinema type of approach to it that mm-hmm. Like living in a world where <laughs> Stephen King adaptations are popping up all over the place yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of Hollywood films of Stephen King's work, which some of them are good, some of them are great, some of them are garbage. <laughs> right. But it has that kind of studio Hollywood feel. And this feels very much meditative and very much um 
ethereal, like the story mm-hmm. is itself. And I think that 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 kind of freedom from a creative standpoint, from the filmmaker and uh, and for the writer, for Stephen King, is yeah. is really refreshing. Right. Um, in this era of Stephen King adaptations. And in addition to that, I can't take my eyes off it. Um, mm-hmm. The the visuals are breathtaking, stunning. The color palette is just amazing. Yes. Um, I I don't know if there's um. Some kind of M Night Shyamalan, you know, uh, red door handle shit going on. Oh, where it's right. like, This color means this. I don't. Yeah. I don't know, and I frankly I don't really care because mm-hmm. it's just so beautiful. Um, like right. the the red barn just pops. Oh yeah. Um, all all of the color at Booyah Moon just pops mm-hmm. like the trees. Um, the foliage, yeah. and and uh, all the, the scene, moon, the moon. Yeah. All the scenes in the pool are mm-hmm. just beautiful color palettes, and there's a. I wonder if Pablo Lorraine. I wonder if he uses a filter. Mm. Um, because this, the whole, every episode so far has had a very David Fincher feel to it. it yeah. But it's, it's had that feel without being a, just a, like a ripoff. Right. It, it, it's not like a ripoff it's its of, own, he's, he's his own, own thing. It's, it's, yeah. it's a Pablo, Pablo Lorraine filter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really feeling it and it's just, it just feels right. Absolutely. Yeah. And there is, there's a filmmaking kind of thing in this episode that I was really, really, uh, just kind of gobsmacked by, mm. and it's interesting because it it does kind of this structure kind of recurs in the next episode in a different context. But in this in this in under the yum yum tree, um, uh, the the cop shows her the video of Jim Dooley, mm-hmm. and the, it is such an interesting, um, f- an interesting piece of filmmaking because we see. Lisi with the tablet watching the video. Um, it's this creepy ass manifesto esque um, filming thing that he did, um, where he's talking about just ramp rambling about Scott Landon, and then in progress of that, we see it it cuts to or transitions into the perspective of the camera and him filming it in person um and doing that and then as we're seeing that it then transitions to him watching it back and it's like it's we're getting the whole video but it's through these three different perspectives right and then it and then it kind of goes goes to that and then it goes back and goes through like kind of goes back up the inceptionist inceptiony kind of way. <laughs> um and it's interesting because that kind of Russian nesting doll effect is something that recurs in and uh Jim Dandy in the second episode we're reviewing tonight. So. Wow, that's some good analysis. I didn't I don't oh, know that I you. fully picked up on all that. That's yeah, I I watched this episode twice. Um okay. and I, I reviewed it on Patreon at the two dollar level. So check it out. Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Gotcha. Um but yeah it was it was I was I was really impressed with that from a filmmaking perspective. Mm-hmm. Um and just the visual storytelling is really good. Yeah. Um the other thing that really really stood out to me in this episode that I really loved about it was the way that it is all about impending doom. Mm. And the way that I'll dance around it because we'll talk about it in spoilers and we'll get to spoilers here in a bit, but um the way that the tension of the of the episode is builds up throughout like the last half of the episode is all building tension. Mm-hmm. And that tension has that release valve in the next episode, but it is throughout this whole episode. It's just, you know, something is coming. You don't know what it is, um, but you know that something's coming. It is that kind of perfect, um, perfect visualization of that classic Stephen King trope in his writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it is because Stephen King likes to do that. He likes to just build that tension. Um, and he does it really well in this, in this uh, film medium here. 
Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk spoilers for sure. Under the Yum Yum Tree? Sure. Okay. So I'm going to play a little bit of music and then we'll go into spoilers for Under the Yum Yum Tree. Okay, so spoilers for Under the Yum Yum Tree. I forgot to mention this, um, but we got our for, we got our first look at the Antlers Inn. Um, mm-hmm. Did the set setting of that did that give you Overlook vibes? Totally. That is totally a question I was going to ask you. Nice. Because absolutely, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, same here. Specifically, um, The Shining. Um, the movie uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Yeah. Like that. It had that feel to it. Yeah. yeah that kind of just. First of all, that just that the set, uh, like the exterior of it, it looked like. I mean, it looked like a miniature Overlook hotel, right? right. Um, but the interior, um, when they're in the when they're in the uh, the lobby of it, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the way that it was shot or the, or the set itself, but it reminded me a lot, honestly, of both Kubrick's movie and the miniseries in the nineties. Mm. Um, in particular, in the nineties miniseries where, um. Toward the end in the in the third episode, where uh, Jack is attacking Wendy, mm. um, like it looked exactly like that set. Right, it did yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that stone floor and like the cafeteria, or, like the dining area. Yeah, and there's yeah. like a stairwell next to the reception uh-huh. desk. Yeah, that just it reminded me so much of the '90s miniseries. Yeah, the Stanley Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I also. To, to add to the visuals and, and mm-hmm. the directing and the vision of it. Um, I'm really loving the sets um, are they're They're really beautiful. They're um, they're also using this, using a lot of the space. There's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of wide shots that don't feel like wide shots. They don't feel artistic. They just feel, um, they just feel like, like a presence of uh, like, they're just trying to fill the screen. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're trying to, doesn't feel like they're trying to fill the screen. They just are because it makes mm-hmm. sense for the scene, I guess. If yeah. I'm not sure if I'm articulating it well, but for example, like the I love the set of like the second floor of the barn where mm-hmm. Scott would write. She keeps going up there, um, and like there's that that lighthouse, that miniature lighthouse yeah. that, that goes around. Um, just the uh, there there's so many there's so many um, shots in that set that are not close-ups. I feel like we would, a lot of the scenes where we see her working in that space are wider shots where you can see the whole set. Yeah. Um, And I had the same thought at that hotel Mm. when they, I mean, they, they first drive up, it makes sense. You have like an establishing shot, but even later on when the owner of the hotel is showing them like, so you head up that way and it shows that's the start of the trail that you want to go for a hike on. And they have the whole, hotel in the background yeah and they go into the lobby and they're showing the entire lobby and Mm -hmm. they're they're having that discussion after the tree Mm -hmm. after the yum yum tree they're having that conversation where he's kind of explaining some of the rules of going to booyah moon um where they're in like the dining room area Mm -hmm. and it's like it shows the whole dining room they're sitting in front of this big fireplace and it's like yeah it's just a lot of really full screens that like 
it doesn't seem like it's uh, it's necessary. Like it, it seems like some producer would have come in and be like, "No, let's just do a close up here. Right? We don't want to spend a bunch of money here on the set and do all that crap. And yeah, um, you know, let's let's save it up for when they're under the 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 yum yum yum, yum tree. We're gonna have to mm-hmm. spend a lot of money on that set, and it's gonna have to be really grandiose, and there's gonna have to be some CGI. So let's let's tone down this other stuff. Like right. they don't tone down anything. It's very it's all very. There's a ton of presence absolutely in, in the sets, and uh, it's it's just really. It's really jumping out to me how grand, how like uh, detailed everything is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they don't feel like sets. They feel like they went to a house and they went to a hotel right. and they went to an old farm in mm. the south where Scott and his brother and his dad were. It's like it's all very has this. It's all very seated in reality, I guess. Absolutely. It's really jumping out. I, I'm really loving all the set work. Same, same here. And the yeah. way that you, the way that you said that, yeah, I like it's something that I don't think I've been very conscious of, but I'm going to be going forward because it is very, very beautifully. Yeah. I want to say rendered, but you know, it's not rendered. It's ju- it's just jumped out to me for, for whatever yeah. reason. I'm really loving the production mm-hmm. value, I guess. Yeah, and those those kind of, for lack of a better word, real world sets like the, the the hotel, the houses, and like the all that, like the detail and the I think I think that that wide framing of of the detail of of it um, really helps sell the imaginative displays we get of Booyah Moon yeah, and this otherworldly thing. Because if we had that kind of more conventional filmmaking and more conventional cinematography of like tight shots and sets and everything and mm-hmm. all that. I think that that would really undercut the believability of Booyah Moon, which is this freaking amazingly beautiful and haunting depiction on, on screen. Right. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so last time on the podcast, you, you uh, asked me if I noticed if it was Michael Pitt playing uh, Scott's father. Mm-hmm. I said I didn't notice him. Uh, it is. It is. Um, yeah, I'm glad I was right. <laughs> yeah, and man, like he is unrecognizable. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, and oh, that scene where he's talking to them is just like that. Uh, he's incredibly talented. He really is such a good actor. Yeah, um, really good stuff. Yeah, really like it. It is such an. It's a difficult role for him, obviously, because he is. I mean, he's burdened with kind of being the. Um, I'm presume he's not going to be in the show that that much, but mm-hmm. he is delivering like he has to sell that kind of um, psychosis. Psychosis, yeah. yeah. Um, and he does it incredibly well. He does. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Oh. Um, man, I had a thought. Um, okay. Crap. Oh, did you did you listen to the audiobook? Uh, I did. Yes, you did. Okay, so I I forget the actresses name who read the book or mayor whittingham mayor whittingham so the voice she used for scott's dad um Mm -hmm. sparky i can't remember his first name oh yeah um kind of threw me off a little bit or or made the character and as i was listening to it less menacing interesting i don't remember how she how she read it which might be a criticism of it in and of itself she kind of used this like generic twangy southern thing oh like you better jump your mother smoking ass off that barn boy like oh it just, yeah it's, it was cartoonish mm-hmm. and it's like i didn't hate it like i understand why she kind of went that route but sure just in the cadence the way she talked it was really fast and it was like mm-hmm. choppy and i remember um, that now yeah you gotta let the bat out son like she just right. it was just too 
too choppy and quick. I, I didn't really care for it. I didn't mm-hmm. care for that choice. And so his character didn't resonate with, didn't jump out to me or didn't resonate with me as I was reading the book for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, his actions are deplorable and right. horrible and uh, the writing is incredible for the character, but it just didn't, it, a lot of that was lost, I think, in my experience personally yeah. because of her choice to do that. Um, and it's nobody's fault. It's just, it's just kind of the nature of art, I guess. But sure. um, in the show, it's so great to have Michael Pitt be crushing it so far because he's a really menacing character so far and just these tiny couple doses we've had of him absolutely he's he's really standing out and um he's uh very intimidating and and you can also um scott talks so much in the book and then in these couple episodes about how his dad loved him and like right. he loved his dad. The, the complexity of it right. is right, and you can incredible. see it. You can see yeah. it in his performance. It's crazy because he's fucking nuts and mm-hmm. just diabolical and oh, yeah. abusive as hell. And then he just loves those kids after it's all over. And right. you can see that too. That's plain as day as well. And so yeah. that's a hard chord to strike. That's a hard balance to come across. And he's pulling it off so far. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see if how much he appears in the next four episodes, especially yeah. not to spoil anything, but right. the way that all concludes in the, in the mm-hmm. book, I hope we get to see that in the show. That oh, absolutely. It will be remarkable to see, to see him do that. Yeah. Oh, 100% agree. And yeah. again, that complexity of it is just, it's chilling and and horrifying and, and sad, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it just it it is it is really really incredible. Yeah. Um. So where oh there are a couple of things. Um. I don't know if you caught the. I think that he slipped in a Dark Tower reference. Hmm. I I, I think. Okay. This might be a stretch, and so um. When you referenced the scene where they're talking about they're outside the hotel and the owner's like, oh, yeah, well, this is where the trail is and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, this is such a stretch. Okay. But <laughs> um, I would say I, I'm confident. I'm more confident that this is a Dark Tower reference because Stephen King wrote it. Okay. But the owner says he's like, oh, yeah, it's up there um, at the the. The, the, down that path there's a clearing where the trail is or whatever or he says something like that but I'm like they're heading to the clearing at the end of the path oh and this is a flashback and and uh, and I mean Scott's dead it's like him saying like oh he's heading toward the clearing at the end of the path he's huh. like this is a Dark Tower reference interesting so yeah I didn't pick up on that at all yeah I'm I'm not entirely sure um, if I was just reading into it but you might be reaching, but yeah. maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, Stephen King wrote these, so. Yeah, yeah. Huh? I'll have to tweet about it and attach a gif of a dog so he Do can tweet it. Maybe he um, will. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very curious about that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to mention is in the hotel, um, there is a scene that we saw in the first episode. And it's where they're sitting, they're sitting, it's after they're like having lunch or something, and they're sitting there, and it's just a shot of Scott looking at Lisey and mouthing the words, I love you. And if you remember in that first episode, when we're going through all of this kind of cerebral and and weird, like can't make sense of it, this fractured kind of story, uh, we see all these different disparate uh, disparate clips and everything. And there's one where he is sitting, he's sitting there and he's mouthing the words, 
I love you. I don't know if it's if it's the same shot of him saying I love you or it's he's intentionally like mouthing something else. But I remember in that first episode, I was like, oh, God, this is so confusing. Like, like this is just so weird and everything. Um, but I found it really interesting that now we have the context of that, that that's not this weird vision that she had of of him. This is a memory of their honeymoon. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and he's just mouthing I love you as the sweet thing. And I just really like that different context of it i i just thought that was really interesting okay that i didn't pick up on that but okay that's cool yeah so i thought that was interesting yeah um yeah we're in spoilers yeah um we are yeah so amanda's cutting scene mm-hmm. how'd you feel about that man that the staff at that hospital suck i know right <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. um yeah that was pretty creepy mm-hmm. um and it's it's crazy how her her storyline is building how she's kind of it's being again her storyline in the book I'm so lost on um but it's yeah it's interesting how they're building to this thing where she's kind of trapped in Booyah Moon almost yeah and she wants to get out and um it's coming to a head where she's harming herself in the quote unquote yeah. real world um that's a really that it's it's keeping me interested in that storyline thankfully me too um, but yeah that was that was some uh, some good makeup work yeah and uh some some creepy shit joan allen's doing great with oh absolutely i mean she has so little dialogue um again talk about emotive acting mm-hmm. she's really doing a great job yeah i've and never never seen her in a role like this it's really I, great me neither yeah she's she's fantastic and just like the the scariness of that i mean that's chilling and and it's mm-hmm. horrifying and the way that they're showing this self-harm angle of it without being too gratuitous about it. Like this was, mm-hmm. we don't see it. We just see the aftermath and that's, it's horrific. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, kind of the rest of the episode is really just, um, the history of the, of the bull hunt. Um, that flashback was a nice kind of coming of age with the two kids. Yeah, totally. Um, that was very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a lot of buildup for the next episode, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of tension building. How do you feel about the rest of the episode in that respect, and kind of the the lingering presence of Jim Dooley? Yeah, I liked the structure of him, you know, like planting the little bomb thing, the little mm-hmm. spark machine thing, which I thought as a someone who dabbles in electrical stuff right professionally um i thought that was cool i was like i could actually build that i think <laughs> um uh not that i want to set fires right <laughs> um but uh him doing that and then basically so methodically finding a way into her home and mm-hmm. and, and building towards that especially like the final scene where like he hears the door opening and opening and hears her coming in yeah like that's just really cool and oh that yeah was some pretty good tension building right there and you get that last shot of her just like kind of that that realization that oh something is wrong right <laughs> there's, there's something wrong here right um yeah any other thoughts on under the yum yum tree no uh i think the um again my, my favorite part was that uh, when they're under when they're actually under the yum yum tree yeah. and he's telling her that story and mm-hmm. the back and forth between that moment and um the flashback he's telling her and the present day, like yeah. in the, in the book, I lost complete track of that. And it didn't. Yeah. I, it's not that I didn't understand the story he was trying to tell and the significance of it, but the the way that it all wove together, it was completely lost on me. But in this, yeah. in, in the show, 
I'm completely tracking with it and I'm on board and it's making sense and I'm following it and I'm enjoying the shit out of it. And uh, again, I, I think this story is so much is structured so well to a visual medium to, oh, to, to a TV show or a movie. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's, it's, it's lending itself very well to this medium and, and it's, it's working really well. And it, it started to jump out at this episode, I think. Definitely. And the way yeah. that it is, um, it's doing that kind of dual narrative kind of thing, having the, the storyline of Jim Dooley and, and fleshing that out, I feel a little bit more than it was in the book or, Maybe that's just because all of the weird cerebral flashback stuff and everything was so confusing in the book that it really made me just not be able to latch on to the the inkunk stuff. Yeah. Um, but here in the here in the show it's working really well. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's our review of Under the Yum Yum Tree. And then we're gonna go ahead and review episode four, Jim Dandy. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. Well, again, we're gonna do a non spoiler and spoiler review. Um, so yeah, so here we go with our review of Jim Dandy. All right, so episode four is titled Jim Dandy, as I said. Um, originally aired June 18th, um, which was when this episode was supposed to go up, but we uh, did not get that deadline. Um, uh, teleplay again by Stephen King, directed by Pablo Lorraine. Um, again, we're going to do non-spoiler and spoiler review. Check the show notes for timestamps and all that. Tiny. Yep. Jim Dandy. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this episode? What stood out to you in non-spoilers? Uh, the sound stood out to me. <laughs> uh, if, if you've seen the episode, you might know what I'm talking about. Yes. We'll, we'll get to that in spoilers. Um, the opening theme music and how I don't know how to sing along to it on Patreon <laughs> yet. Thankfully, you didn't make me sit through that again. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, um. Lisey story, Lisey story, oh, Lisey story. Please, please no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the, the episode starts out with a, uh, Something that you would kind of expect to be at the end of an episode. Yeah. It's um, the release valve of the tension from last episode. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's, it's an interesting creative choice there, but it works, mm-hmm. totally works. Um, but yeah, this is a, I, I think the series really started to take off with episode three and it's, it's finding its groove with this one, with yeah. episode four. Um, Cause again, there's the, we get a big push of the plot at the beginning and you kind of ride that high the rest of the episode. Yeah. I think and and get some really again more great character stuff, more flashback stuff and uh it you get some exposition on some of the mechanics of how this stuff works with Booyah Moon and mm-hmm. how Scott used it over the years and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and even the not the extent of Scott's knowledge of it, but the the shortcomings of Scott's knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. Like what he doesn't know about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, more really cool visual stuff in this this episode, mm-hmm. um, which I'll I'll talk about in spoilers. But um, specifically, the use of water. It's not a spoiler. Um, yeah. It's really really cool how that's used uh, in this this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's that's kind of the stuff that jumped out, but. Uh, it's it's the the big the big the big happenstance the big push for the plot at the beginning is the real meaty stuff but that kind of has yeah. to wait for spoilers so. right yeah yeah and it's yeah we'll we'll talk about that but mm-hmm. um yeah honestly should we just jump into spoilers that's fine with me yeah. okay yeah I I think what I'll say in non spoilers is that this episode is where I think where Dane DeHaan's performance like like 
he has been inching toward clicking together with me. Um, mm. And I, I've I've been throughout the season or throughout the show, each episode I've I've gotten more into his performance and everything. Okay, this is where it's like okay, this is this is actually transitioning from okay, this is finally jiving with me to okay, this is really incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um. Nice. Yeah. It's it's a really just disturbing and messed up performance. Yeah. Um, While I yeah. I totally understand your criticisms from the first couple episodes of mm-hmm. his performance, um, I've been on board from the get go. Nice. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm a fan of his, and uh, he he's he's been jumping out to me from the get go. So, nice. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And in like that first scene, that that's yeah. he's not in this episode a lot. No. But. He is so chilling and disturbing and and yeah. um there are things that he does in this episode that I'll talk about it in spoilers but the way that he is relentless with it mm-hmm. is like like the sound design the way it's shot and the way he performs it mm-hmm. is it is it adds an extra layer of just horror to it yeah just absolute horror. Um, and that is in just the way that he performs and moves in it. Mm-hmm. Um, just so, so messed up. The brutality of it is just insane. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about when he's eating the food in the kitchen. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I will say, the way that... Uh, I think that's an interesting choice or an interesting character choice and, and detail... That he, there are several scenes in the show where he's just eating, and it's like it is. I mean, it, it's kind of like a, a a dog going after a a steak that fell on the floor a little bit. It, oh, really? Sort of, kind of like that. Kind, kind, not not like desiring it or anything, but it's okay. it's more like I would say more like a dog kind of digging through the trash. Really? See, I had yeah. the exact opposite interpret. It's more like a cow out in the field, like yeah, grass again. Okay. Like, yeah. He just he seems to chew so slowly and methodically, and like there's there's a scene in this where he like he comes upon a fr- refrigerator and he mm. opens the refrigerator. He's just kind of looking around for and a just second. Just the brutality of that. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he leaves okay, the door burger. open. There's a burger, yeah. so he just grabs it and he just slowly takes it over to the microwave, nukes, it, and then he sits down. And he's just like, oh. and it's just slow and methodical. I, I think I had that's... kind of the opposite, and maybe I'm misremembering it but i i no, i think you're right i think i'm just not articulating it that well <laughs> like w- the, i think it's the first episode or the second maybe where he's chewing the, the, the fried chicken fried chicken and it's yeah. just the crunching is so like it's, and just slow and i think what i'm getting at is really the messiness of it oh the messiness okay, yeah that's because fair. he's yeah. not like he's just eating like it, it is it's devoid of any table manners <laughs> uh, yeah yeah t- totally and it's also it, it's kind of it's it's almost like he's he's it's like he's he's devouring food as a necessity to keep him living. Right. But it's also completely devoid of any nutritional stuff. It's <laughs> like I'm just going to eat this fucking like leftover hamburger and that'll sustain me for the next 8 hours right. until my next meal or whatever. Yeah. Um it just had and he's just so the makeup effect of like he's just so bloated and greasy. Yeah. And just he just seems like it's just like nothing about him is like he he has no knowledge of how to take care of himself. Right, I totally um, get that. Yeah, yeah. So I think somewhere in there, I I had a better analysis. Of, like okay. you can dig through it and figure out what I'm trying to say. Okay, 
Um, like a dog so, yeah. through the trash. Yeah, like a dog through the trash. <laughs> Dig through my analysis like a dog through the trash. Um, you'll find a stake in there somewhere. <laughs> nice. Um, so <laughs> I feel like that encompasses all eight years of our podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I really liked this episode in terms of front-loading it with the brutality and, and the, the, the horror aspect of it, and then going into this just meditative storytelling that that is still delving into the history of scott and lisi but now it's more pertaining to the present of lisi yes because she's trying to find this information through her memory and we have again that kind of russian nesting doll of storytelling which reminded me a little bit of the storytelling in the gunslinger Mm -hmm. um because it goes flashback into flashback yeah but um just really thought that this this was this was a very a very big standout episode um that really felt like it was paying off not only the tension of the last episode but a lot of character and like building up of the of the situation through the last several episodes or the the first three episodes I should say yeah so i I really like this episode for it yeah, yeah me too that. okay, should we go into spoilers for yes. Jim Dandy is Let's the title. Okay, yes. so we're going to go into spoilers. Again, we're going to play music. And uh, yeah, when we come back from music, we're going to be uh, spoiling Jim Dandy. My throat is getting sore. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because before you came over, I recorded the Patreon thing for Jim Dandy. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then also that science fiction thing. Eesh. Yeah. So uh, so this is fun. Um, so spoilers on for Jim Dandy. <laughs> um, let's talk about that opening scene. Yes. So it's marionettes and the theme music is playing and I sing along. Oh, Lisey's story, no. story, no. story. Lisey Story is on Apple TV Plus and it's really good and check out Patreon for more reviews of this and uh, like this style that I tried to sing along to the song. Okay. Uh, so anyway. So bad. <laughs> very bad. Uh. I think the I think the opening theme is good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, but yeah, that opening scene, mm-hmm. that first scene where he attacks her. I mean, he like I was I was thrown off by the the plastic bag over her face. Yeah to pass her out was oh that was graphic yes that was that was disturbing i wasn't expecting it either yeah um and then from there mm-hmm. jesus christ yeah um that's the sound i was referring to the sound of him slicing her yes open i was like oh stop stop yes and he cuts her like so in the book uh my memory of this scene is very quick mm-hmm. and it's like what I interpreted from the book, tell me if I'm wrong, is that it was more of a one single continuous long gash across her breast and down to her side. I and it was a think so. Quick. Th- okay, it wasn't quite as brutal. This is yeah. him slashing her six or eight times. Yes. And we hear each one of mm-hmm. those, and it's just... And she's not making any noise yeah. until the end. Until she the starts end, screaming. Right. That it was fucking Fuck. brutal, and yeah. I was like, "Oh God, stop!" Like, yeah. it really got to me. It was so visceral. Mm-hmm. And even before that, because it's it's a it's a it builds to that because mm-hmm. he headbutts her, right? And then he does that weird headbanging thing to the music. Yeah, that's him. Like him. It's 
it's his blood pool. He's right. he's letting out the bat. He's he's freaking out. He's yeah. having his his um his his uh his anger, his rage out. Mm-hmm. Um, to weird and and oldie kind of country song. Right. <laughs> um, but then when he beats her with his fist mm-hmm. again, like that, that in the slicing. What I mean, it's disturbing in its own right, and I really yeah. respect the care that the filmmaking does with, with like the that Pablo Lorraine and the whole filmmaking team does mm-hmm. with not showing it because it's right. not a gratuitous thing. It is all sound, uh-huh. and we get like perspective through the legs of of Jim, but his legs are are obscuring her face, so mm-hmm. we just hear the sound. Yeah, but the relentlessness of it, like yeah. that. That just constant barrage, he does not let up once. Mm-hmm. And it is both the beating and the slicing is just, I mean, it's almost too much. <laughs> it almost is. And and yeah. what's another amazing part about it is Dane DeHaan's performance mm-hmm. and how Jim is like his approach to it and his attitude as he's con- conducting this violence mm-hmm. He looks like a guy who's putting boxes on a shelf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, I, j- I got to get this done. Okay, right. Come on. He's like, he's like trying to get his way through it. Yeah. And not, not like it's hard, but it's right. like, I'm bored. Yeah. And I want to get to the conclusion of this because it's what I want to get done. And yeah. I, and I, I need to get it done. He's like a guy at work. Oh, yeah. Who hates his job. That's what yeah. he looks like. He's not enjoying it. Right. But he doesn't despise it either. Exactly. And it's he, not this gratification that he's getting from it. It's right. like this almost duty bound kind of thing. Like, well, I guess I got to do this now or yeah. whatever. He's not even really disturbed by it. Or like, right. like he's not upset. Uh, it's not like he's put out by it either. Right. It's just like, exactly. this is a normal thing that I got to do. Exactly. And it's, that's so chilling to me. And and I think that also conveys how he like, I don't know if it's just misogyny or what, mm. but he just like, does not even see her as human at all. Right. She's like a thing. He that's refers in his to her way. as Mrs. Right. And I meant to mention this, but, uh, and I mentioned this on Patreon, but in the last episode, of when the way he signs off the video, like I, I get it, but like he, like his sign off of it is like, uh, no wife, no wife stay single. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, that that's a little, like, I, I get it. It's a bit much. It's, yeah. but it's like, it's a little too, I, it's, it's like, it's, it's like an on the nose uh, kind of reference to like the insult. Incels, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah, which I understand, but also it's like I I don't know how to phrase it, but like it just feels like okay, it's a little silly for it's a it's a silly on the nose thing for something that is incredibly silly and stupid right. and ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It just felt I don't know. It just felt kind of yeah. it, 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 off. But yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. one thing I wanted to ask you, so mm-hmm. is it, I don't think it's been conveyed in the, in the series yet, unless I'm, unless I missed it. And I don't remember if it's covered in the book, but does Lisi ever give a reason why she is not willing to give up these manuscripts and papers to have them published? Like, why is she so adamantly against it happening? I, I think... In the show, it hasn't been necessarily conveyed per se, but I think it's more that it's just like, I mean, these these hardcore fans, these this cult of Landon is, they're fucking nutballs. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think that in the book, it's more demonstrated by that first scene in the book where 
um, she's talking about the inkunks, the the people that are that are harassing her for it and everything, mm-hmm. and that are that are crazy about Scott Landon, and she doesn't want to give them like an inch or anything. Okay, I th- that's my read of it. I don't remember okay. though because I it may th- I just think if it were me, I'd be like fucking fine, have it. Here you <laughs> yeah. go, publish it. I don't give a shit anymore. Right. Like I don't, I just don't, I'm not sure why it's so important to her. Yeah, I kind of feel like it maybe has something to do with legacy and okay. How it's it's something that I mean she's still she's a grieving widow right and she's still like I think that there's that disconnect where she's still grieving the loss of her husband and like the vultures are coming in to be like oh we we want the we want the secret stories we want the hidden stories and everything okay I I just kind of wish that so, was fleshed out a little more I I um, agree because she's going to extremes to defend mm-hmm. this stuff and yeah. it's like if someone's gonna slice me up I'd be like fucking fine right like. I don't, that's just me, but um, that's what's interesting is that I would have the opposite reaction. I was like, "Oh, now you're not getting it." Um, I, <laughs> right. I thought about it, but no. And yeah. she even does that a little bit. She's like, "There's a sequel to Relics," and I kind of feel like, right? I don't know if that's her taunting him uh-huh. or that's her saying like, "Okay, I admit there is stuff there." I think that was her taunting him, which yeah. made me love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And my other thought is just fucking shoot the guy. Right. Like I just shoot him. Um, yeah. And, like I, I t- but I think. I, it's a good. It's it's good that she doesn't, and the like, because yeah. she has a great reason for hating guns, <laughs> right? And yeah, not oh, yeah. E- even in this situation, not wanting to have one, right? But again, it's just, it's hard for me to disconnect from that. Like, just right. fucking shoot him. Like, just think about it this way. I I would be very curious what you would think if you were to revisit both the both the book and. Um, the show down the road, like after I'm dead and after you're a podcast widow <laughs> and you have all of the fans of all of our podcasts being like, you got to release the Matt cut of all of the podcasts. You need to, re- we know we had a, we know we had a secret podcast, <sighs> um, hidden away. We, we need this. Um, so I've yeah. been called a lot of things <laughs> that I didn't like. <laughs> The top might be podcast widow. Podcast widow. I know, because the thought of losing me is as hard. I understand. Yeah, that's um, it. <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, anyway. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, the, the brutality of that was really... Oh, something else. I, I, another thing that jumped out to me about it, and and we can move on after this, but um, is uh, before it all starts, he has kind of his attitude towards her. He does. He has mm-hmm. a very, he's a very passive captor, if that makes sense. Yeah. He's like sitting at the desk, and she's like far away from him on the couch mm. like she could i think i think he might have her bound like maybe her hands are tied i think her hands are tied behind her back maybe but yeah. like she could totally get up and just run away right and he's like leaning back in the chair at the desk and everything mm. and it's like he feels so confident and righteous mm. and in control that like he has that amount of physical distance between them and yeah. that amount of physical passivity i guess where he's like I'm I'm this in control, and she is. She's a stupid thing. Like she's a she's right. a woman, and again, I think it's it's an extension of his misogyny. I guess yeah. is what it is. Um, it, it's it's just interesting because normally you would think someone in his position would be kind of standing over her or pacing very near her, or just just his physical presence during that and before it really jumped out to me just how. 
I don't know if it's uh, hubris or what mm. it is. It's just it's but it's 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 really fascinating to me. Oh, abs- and I think you hit the nail on the head when you refer to it as a passive captor because mm-hmm. it's another extension of him not understanding or not being able to understand human interaction and other human yeah, beings right. outside of his world. Um, because it's not like that it conveys so much in his performance because it's specifically specifically because he's not calculating it's not this calculating right the most that he's done in terms of forethought for this plan is diverting the police away from from the place yeah then he goes and he's just it's like it is just this almost natural kind of like okay well now i'm gonna do this and Mm -hmm. now i'm gonna talk like this at you missus (laughs) um i'm dane dehan um and it's just it's just so i almost want to say casual and that makes it even more chilling to me he's like the joker he's like a like a dog chasing cars he wouldn't wouldn't know what to do with one if you caught it or a dog jumping in the trash and getting food and trying to find a steak. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was just something that I don't I don't I wasn't sure if you picked up on that or not. That was an interesting aspect. That is it. that is interesting. I didn't necessarily pick up on that, but that's interesting. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if it's a thing like if they intentionally mm-hmm. did that or if it's an extension of his character. I I don't really care. I just it's I thought it was interesting. Um, right. It's not something you see that often. But. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um the scene where he is in Amanda's house and he goes to the fridge and everything. Yeah. Did you register that as Amanda's house or did you not like, cause I couldn't remember if they established that, that exterior shot as Amanda's house in a previous episode mm-hmm. or if Darla arriving there was supposed to be like, Oh shit, that's Amanda's house there. That's where like, he's there. Like that's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I knew it was, I wasn't sure if it was Amanda's house or Darla's house. Okay. But you did know that it had it was a sister's house. It gotcha. was one of the sister's houses. Okay. I, I thought that, but I can't remember if it's conveyed. I'm pretty sure it is said in the book that Darla's like married and has a couple kids. Maybe. I think so. Or did I make that up? So I, so uh, I kind of, in the moment I was thinking, well, this isn't Darla's house. It's probably Amanda's house. Right. Um, and maybe he doesn't know that she's in the hospital or something. I don't know. Cause he threatens her with, yeah, with the, the note. note. Yeah. And says, I'm going to kill, kill your, your sister. sisters and then right. kill you. Right. Yeah. So, um, anyways, yeah, that was, um, chilling. Yeah. That scene was, was kind of chilling. Sure. And especially yeah. when he's just kind of sitting there while she's yeah. going through the house. Um, again, he's not calculated. He's just, right. he reacts and he's just kind of there like fly by the seat of his pants kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, which is strange for that kind of character. Right. Um, but it works so well. Yeah, such a cool character and a good performance. Oh yeah, and the yeah. text that Darla sends to her, and saying like you could have at least uh, done the dishes or whatever. Right. I thought that that was going to be like a trigger to her to be like, oh shit, he's in the house. That that was yeah, him. right. But that it didn't pan out. But right. she was also probably concussed and, and <laughs> right. uh, probably a little distracted. A little bit. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Like I said, the the Russian nesting doll of the story of of the flashbacks and everything to. Um, to her and Scott and her and Amanda and, and figuring out Booyah Moon and, and the healing properties of the pool and everything. How'd you feel about the way that that all played out through all the different flashbacks? I'm kind of trying to figure out if that's my favorite part of the, <laughs> nice. of the episode or the attack at the beginning is my favorite part. I don't know. I'll probably mm-hmm. have to watch it again, but, um, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's really, it was so cool. Just, just yes. cause it, it's funny. Again, you would think this, this attack would be 
the meat of the episode and it would be something that was built to and it would be the big conclusion at the end of an episode. But right. they kind of tuck it in at the, as the opening scene of this episode. And I think, honestly, it was more effective that way. Yeah. Um, it was almost like a cliffhanger at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we lead into this big action scene at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but that was like, you know, this is a 50-minute episode, 55 mm-hmm. minutes, something like that. And the attack is... 15 minutes maybe yeah if I, don't that. Even, I don't even think it's 20 um, yeah so yeah it's not very long and so the meat of the episode is her i i think it's it's really cool that again i don't know if this is in the book because I, I just didn't pick up on it but in the episode her inspiration for trying to figure out how to get to booyah moon or her inspiration for remembering it is the fact that she's really, really badly injured and she's not going to be able to defend herself and move forward unless she heals. And so right. her motivation is I need to get to Booyah Moon to get to the healing the healing pool to heal myself yeah. the way that Scott and his family used to mm-hmm. because I'm really badly injured and I don't want to I don't want to get the cops involved and have to go to the hospital and turn it into this big thing. I need to right. do this myself. And I don't I, want to deal with the medical bills. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't have health insurance. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, that, I don't know if that was in the book mm-hmm. because that's, I think that was clearly kind of her, what set her on that path was the motivation to like, yeah. I need to heal and I need to get better. And that's what led her down the path to have this memory and remember mm-hmm. how to get back there and all that stuff. Um, that was just a cool motivation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, I liked that a lot. Um, was that nice. in the book? Is um, was I, that how she remembered this? I don't I, remember. I think, I think it was part, I think, part of it at least. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, that, that was just an interesting catalyst to set us mm-hmm. on the path to where she has this memory. Right. Um, but yeah, and then from there, it's just, again, it's the, it's the way that she's remembering, for, she's remembering in the present. Um, and remembering kind of in the past with... and Yeah, right. And then remembering yeah. the memory of going to Booyah Moon and Scott explaining some of the mechanics to her and then... yeah the memory of him talking about going there with uh, Scott talking about going there with his brother, Paul. Yes. So you have the, you have a flashback and a flashback yeah. and then the present. And again, the way those all weave together. So good. And just so like, like you said, the, the, the Russian nesting doll kind of thing yeah. is so cool. And, and she'll have these, it, it had more really cool scenes and, and well done scenes where she's in the present all cut up and bleeding. Mm-hmm. And she's, having these realizations and she's remembering like, Hey, this is how this worked or this is what Scott said, or this is his memory of going there with his brother. And she will have these reactive, they'll show, they'll show her reaction to remembering. Yeah. And it, it's crazy how effective that is. Oh yeah. It's just her face sitting there. Right. And, and it's so, again, it's just, it's just great acting on her part. It's mm-hmm. great writing. It's great structure, oh, yeah. storytelling, camera work, everything. It's all blending together so well. It- it is. It you would, is you really wouldn't impressive. think it would work, but it's working. Right. And they're making it work in the show. It's really cool. Yeah. And the little stylistic things that they do, like the, um, when she sees, when, when she's remembering or seeing the, the band playing under the tree, like the wedding band or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get that scene of her 
standing next to the singer watching while also watching from the pool mm-hmm. and like and just the reactions of those these two different Lisies in the scene is just right really cerebral and weird and cool mm-hmm. um and and disorienting and just I don't know and also the freaking set of that pool um I want to swim in that, man. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, cool. It, it yeah. looks so good. Totally. Um, there was really, yeah. really good lighting work. Absolutely. In that scene. I, yeah, that, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the the flashback to uh, Paul and Scott at Booyah Moon and, like, the long boy. <laughs> right. Uh, that was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely creepy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of what else to say. Yeah, about I do it. have a couple of things that okay. are more I'm going to posit a couple of things. One Okay. is I kind of feel like the the scene where Amanda in in the in the flashback is talking to Lisey about Scott and Lisey's trying to ask her ask her like has he been depressed or anything and then and then Amanda's trying to get information about his childhood from her and everything it's a it's an interesting uh conversation that they have Mm -hmm. but i kind of wonder and i don't know if this is going to be i don't know if this is an an apt comparison or a conclusion to draw from the story as it's presented in the show but um i kind of feel like there's an interesting kind of two sides of the same coin aspect to jim dooley and um scott landon and I think, like, I think what what, what I'm latching onto with this really rudimentary <laughs> observation <laughs> is that Jim Dooley is some like these these two characters both have this these demons that mm-hmm. that, that they're battling. Yeah. Um, Jim Dooley is someone who does this alone, and he is complete. Like he does the whole incel thing. Like, uh, no wife, no wife, stay single, um, eat chicken. Um, and while Scott Landon has this darkness within him, this, this pain, these demons and everything, but one of the things that resonated in the, in the book and is resonating in the show is that connection that, that he has with Lisi and how that, that keeps him from succumbing to that darkness and those demons and everything and Mm. becoming a Jim Dooley crazy person. Hmm. Um, but I, I don't know if that's an apt comparison. I don't know if that I don't know if that correlates more than me just trying to sound like I'm paying attention. Uh, I think there's maybe a parallel there. Mm-hmm. I I didn't see that. Okay. Um, but I think your justification makes sense. Okay. And, and I think I think that's definitely a parallel you can draw between the two. Nice. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I can see it. Um, I think. Mm. I don't know that, um, well, I guess maybe you're right because I, th- I think Scott's dad mm-hmm. is an example of someone who doesn't find a way to conquer his demons. That's true. And yeah. he, it results in a lot of violence and mm-hmm. heartbreak and, uh, death. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I All think, right. I think he might be onto something. Totally. Nice. I don't know if, that, if Stephen King intended that. I don't know either. I'll um, have to, I'll have to ask him. But I think it's a fair, um, fair comparison. Yeah. Nice. Right on. Uh, The other thing I want to bring up is I didn't I didn't make this connection either with uh, when reading the book. But I think that there's an interesting to use your word parallel between and it's interesting given the time frame of of when he wrote these stories. But 
um, the Micmac burial ground in uh, in Pet Cemetery versus Booyah Moon, mm-hmm. and how it's kind of a I don't know a way station for these dead people, I guess. Yeah, to an extent, um, that has has these these uh, evil presences within them. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that he kind of has a similar kind of uh, setting for for these two stories, I guess. Hmm. I didn't pick up on that either. Um, okay. I guess. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, just just because the Micmac burying ground is a physical location mm-hmm. um in that's on true earth in our dimension right. if you will and then booyah moon is kind of this ultra dimensional location that's uh um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, one thing that's kind of interesting that's been conveyed in these two episodes is how travel works between the mm-hmm. two um the two dimensions if you will um there's this there has to be the presence of water basically it's almost like you use water to travel between the two yeah locations that was really interesting um and the fact that scott doesn't know like what what it means how that works or it, why that yeah, was really cool totally um yeah. and and i think it's um a really cool choice because was that in the book do you remember was um the water thing in the book yes it yes was. Definitely, okay. definitely okay so i think why i appreciate it in the show is because um that's that's hard to do. Like that's a right. That's a tough decision in filmmaking. Adding mm-hmm. water to any scene right. makes it more difficult. And, yeah. and I think um, they kind of ruined some sets by having overflowing water and mm-hmm. um, you know these the overflowing sinks and right. um, I especially appreciated. Um, I think it's when they're on their honeymoon, and he's talking about the mechanics of um, traveling to Booyah Moon, and there's the. Uh, they're sitting in front of the fireplace. It's like a fire, like a, one of those metal fire pits. Yeah. And it has a stone back, the, the stone wall behind it. And the water starts spilling down the, the stone wall like a waterfall. Yes. Um, and then they see it spilling over one of the walls in the back of their like, mm-hmm. suite or wherever they're staying. Um, that was just really a really cool effect. Um, and I really, I really liked that effect a lot. The use of water was mm-hmm. really cool. And in that sequence, when it's playing the like the score is playing this very soft kind of piano medley mm. uh, as as it's going through, um, that is where it really felt like it was kind of an art house cinema kind of kind of film. Yeah. Um, and I was I was just really really into that. I thought that was really cool. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else we should talk about with Jim Dandy? Um, again, just a really great episode. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm, I'm totally on board and, and just fully into the series now. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, and I think next time, next time on the podcast, I don't know when I'm going to post this versus the apt people one. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause we recorded two episodes tonight. Yeah. Oh, my throat. Um, <laughs> you recorded three. <laughs> we did. Oh yes. Yeah. Three and a half. Um, Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after not recording anything for, uh, about a week and a half. <laughs> oh man. So this is, this is definitely, uh, definitely, uh, a marathon for you. It is. Oh yeah. Um, but I'm glad to be back. It's great. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, that'll do it for our review of Jim Dandy mm-hmm. and episodes three and four of Lisey's story. Next time in this review series, we're going to be reviewing, Episodes five and six titled The Good Brother and Now You Must Be Still. Um, so check that out when it comes out. I do want to mention, I forgot to mention this at the beginning. Um, 
Tiny, did you notice or are you aware that um, our screeners for the first episode uh, had the wrong title? No, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Throughout the entire first episode of our review of this, we refer to it as Blood Blood Hunt, I think. Yeah, Blood Hunt. But it's actually the title is Bull Hunt. Um, So our screeners had Blood Hunt for some reason. So anyway, I corrected it and put a disclaimer in the show notes. Anyway, so we're not idiots. We can read. And... (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode. Thanks again to Matt Andrico for his thoughtful gift that he sent to me. Um, and uh, yeah, again, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for tons of bonus content and stuff that uh, I'm constantly putting out there. Um, yeah. Any parting thoughts? Tiny. Um, uh, no, no, no parting thoughts. All right. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. I don't know why I said it like that. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Like, I know that uh, there are some people that that say like, oh, like before this edition came out, they were like, oh, you should maybe play the second game first. Um, I would never subscribe to that thought because I still think that the the narrative of the first Mass Effect is just incredible. But they have really streamlined it because when when the first Mass Effect came out, it had a very cumbersome um gunplay and 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 uh shooter mechanics and everything because it was kind of secondary and then when they came out with mass effect 2 they really really like revised that and made mass effect 2 and 3 very much more shooter oriented and it, it was a much more pleasurable and fun experience um in that at, at that point like if it, it was just it was incredibly it was a vast improvement because they just they just redesigned the shooter elements and the the heads up display and everything. Mass Effect in the Legendary Edition, they didn't completely revamp the um, shooting mechanics or anything, but it is much more streamlined. It's much more in line with the heads up display and the mechanics of Mass Effects two and three. Like the it's and it's so seamless in this legendary edition that I did not even realize like how vast the changes were until I saw a video that compared the two, the two differences between the original game and the legendary edition game, because it's just so seamless and it's so reminiscent of Mass Effect two and three, which I played more recently um, in terms of five years ago. Tower junkies is edited and produced by Matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. for a full archive of our episodes. Go to towerjunkiespod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter at towerjunkiespod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. 
For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OVAnthologyPod on Twitter. Finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash band. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!